You are now listening to Zakaic Podcast, proclaiming Jesus as Savior, Healer, Sanctifier, and Coming King. Blessed Sunday to everyone. Praise the Lord that He gathered us all here again to honor Him, not only to sing songs to Him, but to know Him more and to know His very heart through His Word this morning. We are on the second part of our series called Matters of the Heart. And last Sunday, we talked about a tested heart. And this Sunday, today, we're going to talk about a contrite heart. Well, maybe not all of us are very familiar of that word contrite, but I think New English translation rendered a phrase as a translation to that word contrite, and it used the term humble and repentant heart. I think that phrase captures so well what we are going to look at this very morning. Please open your Bibles with me in the book of Psalm 51, verses 1 to 19. Psalm 51, 1 to 19. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your whole end of your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. But your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings and a whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Just the other day, I gathered our program committee. It is the committee that meets for every special events program here in Zikaek. So just last week, we gathered our team, and then we started discussing the details of the Thanksgiving celebration this year. Oh, by the way, 
our Thanksgiving for this year is going to be held on the last Sunday of October to give more time for the Christmas presentations and celebrations also in, in relation to its preparation. So mark your calendars, October, last Sunday of the month. And uh, when we gathered, we were discussing a lot of matters. In the middle of our discussion, somebody came to the room. And that person said, your son, your son um, spilled a glass of water on the table of the church secretary. When that happened, my wife stood up right away and went to the office of the secretary and checked it out. She really saw the water was spilled all over the table and she started cleaning. But she was wondering where our son was because he was nowhere to be found. And she looked around for him. She couldn't find him. I asked my daughter, where is your brother? And my daughter said, I did not find him. I don't know where he is. So some of them started looking for, her, for him while I was continuing with the meeting. And then after the meeting, towards the end of it, somebody told me that he was here inside the sanctuary. He was hiding. Why was he hiding? Because he spilled the water on the table. That is a natural reaction of a child when a child commits something wrong. That is why when you leave a toddler in a room and it gets so silent, you better watch out already for what happened because something must have happened. Something unusual is taking place. And this is a reality that does not only happen for a child when a child commits something wrong, but this is also a reality that happens among the adults. When a person starts to become so silent, when you start to wonder, why is this person missing? Where is he? Where is she now? There must be something wrong that happened in the person's life. The same thing that happened with David. The psalm that we read is written by David himself as it is stated in the what is this? In the beginning part, it's, it's like a prologue of the psalm that you will be able to read a psalm of David. So this was written by David. What happened behind the writing of the song? Something really wrong that happened in his life. You know what happened in his life? David one time, after the many victories that he experienced in his life as the king of Israel, one time he took some rest in the palace and then in his alone moment, he saw Bathsheba. And then when he saw Bathsheba, he got so enticed with her and he brought her to his presence and slept with her and committed adultery with her. When that happened, David knew that there was a fruit of that sexual immorality that he committed with Bathsheba. Because Bathsheba was married to Uriah, David called for the attention of Bathsheba's husband from the war. So he requested for Uriah to be brought back to Jerusalem. And when Uriah was in Jerusalem already, David lured him also to get drunk and that he drove him back to his home so that he will be sleeping with Bathsheba. And so he was, his sin would be covered up. Imagine that. 
from the immoral act that he committed with Bathsheba, he now intended to cover up his sin. And when he did this, you know, Uriah refused. He said, why shall I go to my wife and sleep while the rest of my fellow soldiers are in the battle? I cannot do that. And so David again made a scheme that would cover his mistake. This time, he sent Uriah back to the battlefield and ordered his generals to put him at the front line because he intended for him to be killed during the war. Indeed, that intention of David prospered. God allowed it. What happened was Uriah was killed in the battlefield and David took Bathsheba to be one of his wives. David remained silent about what he did with Bathsheba. He thought that nobody saw him. He thought that he escaped from this kind of crime that he did. He thought that his friends and even his colleagues and those trusted individuals within the palace wouldn't find out. So he was able to cover his sin. He was successful in the scheming that he did. Was he really successful for that thing that he did? Not knowing that if you look at the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 11 and chapter 12, God recorded in that particular writings that what David did really was naked in the eyes of God and God took notice of it and God would not let that incident pass without David facing the consequences. Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 12, verse, I mean, chapter 11. Let's go to that particular text. 2 Samuel, chapter 11. If you look at the context, chapter 11, verse 27. But the thing that David did had that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 27, last part of it. You would read that line. The Lord took notice about what David did. Well, all the while David was thinking he already escaped from that crime that he did, from that adulterous act that he committed. He thought that he escaped already. From those things and yet God took notice of it and God would never leave him facing the con without facing the consequences no wonder if you look at chapter 12 in the midst of this kahiyahay ng buhay ni David while he was thinking that he already escaped from that particular incident that he committed before God somebody came to him who was that a prophet whose name was Nathan and Nathan came to David with a parable. What was the parable about? Nathan related to him the parable and said, Oh my king, here is a parable that I would like you to judge. Well, David was familiar with litigations. He was familiar of the laws of God because that's one of the roles of the king back then. If you are a king, you are to counsel as well your constituents. Unlike in our time today, if you are a king, a monarch, then you are no longer having that kind of task. You are just like a decorative figure that is there that serves as an inspiration to your constituents. But back then, a monarch, a king, shall also do the role of litigation, making litigations in the midst of your constituents. So David was so familiar of this matter, litigations, the laws of God. He knew about these matters. 
here comes Nathan presenting to him the parable. Oh my king, here is a parable that you needed to judge. There are two men in a town, a little town, two men. One man is a rich person who owns sheep and cattle. The other one was a poor man who only owned a ship. And this time, this man who owned the ship took care of the ship so much that it became a part of his family. This ship ate what he ate. He spends time with the ship. All the while, he loved the ship so much. But one time in this town, there was a foreigner that arrived. And the foreigner approached the rich man who owned sheep and cattle. The foreigner was there and the rich man wanted to make a celebration in the form of welcoming for this foreigner. So the rich man ordered for a feast. But instead of going to his sheep and cattle to slaughter one of them, the rich man went and got the sheep of the poor man. And when he got the sheep of the poor man, he slaughtered it and prepared meals for the visitor. What's the judgment of the king? When David heard this parable, he was furious. He even told Nathan, as long as the God of Israel lives, this man shall never escape what he did. He deserves to die. And after he said that statement, Nathan said to him, You are that rich man, David. You are that rich man. Uriah had nothing. You have almost everything that you could imagine on this planet. In your existence, God has provided everything for you. You have wives, you have servants, you have all this wealth. And yet, you got the only one. Of Uriah. What was the pronouncement of David? That man who got the ship of the poor man deserves to die. That's the only thing that he deserves. That's a well-deserved judgment that David gave and yet he realized that that man in the parable is no other than himself, the king of Israel, who took the only wife of Uriah. When David heard this, Immediately in Samuel chapter 12, first, second Samuel chapter 12, you would see despite the judgment of death that David pronounced, you know what Nathan said to him? David, you are that king and yet you will not die because God has forgiven your sins already. When David realized that it was him, Nathan right away reminded of the very forgiving heart of God in the very presence of David. God had forgiven you already despite the right judgment that you have given. You deserve to die. And yet this holy God made a decision. He has forgiven you already. And yet there will still be consequences that you would experience in life. But the forgiveness has given been given right away to you. When David heard that, it was the very moment that he was so devastated and yet because he heard that there is forgiveness in God, he approached the throne of God bringing a contrite heart written in a form of a song, Psalm 51. 
it was that moment when he found out that despite that sin that he committed, that he found out that there is forgiveness in God, that he came to the Lord with a contrite heart, bringing himself with a song that he wrote. You know, my son, while we were having the meeting, my daughter found that he was here, found out that he was in the sanctuary. And I told my daughter, you call him. Tell him that his daddy wants to hug him. And the mom told my daughter also, tell your brother your mom is not mad at you. So she came here to the sanctuary, invited my brother, telling him, assuring him that mom is not mad and daddy likes you to sit beside him. It was only the moment when my son went back to the office where we were having our meeting. He was afraid. He was scared. Why? He knew that he did something wrong. He knew that he was guilty deep within his heart. He spilled the water on a table in which he should not be there. He shouldn't be playing there. He knew that there was something wrong that he committed. And yet when he got the assurance that the mom is not mad, that his dad wants him to sit beside him, he went to the office because he has that assurance already. David heard from Nathan. God knew what you did. It was you, that person that you hated in that parable. It is you, David. And yet God pronounced the forgiveness for you. That is why you have the reason to come to him. And that is why David went to the Lord with that contrite heart, with that humble heart, with that repentant heart, bringing his song to the Lord. Let's look at the song that he wrote down here. Psalm 51 has two stanzas and a chorus. The first stanza is found in verses 1 to 9. Let's read that portion of the passage again. Verses 1 to 9. Be gracious to me, O God. Now, you will read, we will read this psalm with the background story in our mind. David now knew that somebody knows what he did. He was guilty. He felt so dirty about himself. And yet, despite what he did, he, there is also a theological reflection that was given to him by Nathan that God has forgiven you. Now, he wrote this song with that, within, that, within that kind of scenario. And he said, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. This is a song, a prayer of someone who felt the guilt the dirtiness deep within his heart. No wonder if you look at the repeated words and expressions here, 
Look at verse 1b. You would see there the statement, blot out my transgressions. This is bracketing the first stanza. You look at verse 1, you would see blot out my transgressions. You look at verse 9, you would see at the last part of the stanza, it bracketed again with that phrase, blot out my transgressions. This expression signaled the first stanza. And within this stanza, there are expressions of request. Asking God for cleansing, asking God for purification. Wash me thoroughly, cleanse me, purify me, wash me, hide your face from my sin. All of these statements are telling God, Lord, I feel I am so dirty before your eyes. I feel so undeserving to come to you in prayer. Because David acknowledged when he was confronted by the truth of God brought by Nathan, his sinfulness was confronted. And when he reflected on the sinfulness of his, he looked at the holiness of God. And there he saw how dirty he was before the Lord. How dirty his heart before God. You know, when you realize that there is a dirt deep within you, you'll try to clean yourself thoroughly. It's when we wake up in the morning, you know, when we visited one time, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia for a conference. My wife and I observe our host. And we woke up early because as Filipinos, you know Filipinos, we wake up in the morning and then we clean ourselves, we bath every day. And then after which, we waited because our host, who's supposed to drive us going to the, the Mansara Utama Methodist Church, he was still sleeping. And we look at the time, there were around 10 minutes more for him to prepare and I was wondering in my mind, how could this guy prepare himself if he's still sleeping by now? And around five minutes later, he stood up, he woke up, went out of his room eh, with all his hair na kalkag pakayo. And then he went to the CR and then just washed his face and then went back to the room and then changed clothes. And he said, you guys ready? I'm ready. And we look at each other and we told ourselves he didn't bath. He didn't bath. And for how many days we were there, consistently they were practicing like that. And out of your curiosity, out of my curiosity, I asked our host, you know in, Philippine, in the Philippines, it's our culture. When we wake up in the morning, we bath. And our host told me, you know, pastor, this is our logic. Our bed is clean. We sleep during the night inside of our bedroom without dirtying ourselves. Why do we need to bath? So we only bath when we come from work during the night before going to sleep. Oh, I said, that makes sense. I spent months in America. Americans also do the same. But Filipinos, bisag unsa katugnaw, maligo gina pagkabuntag. Diba? Because that's part of our norm. But that's logical. We bath when we come back home because we came from the work, we came from the field, we mingle with people. That's the time that we ought to bath during the night before going to bed. But much more, if you, if you immerse yourself in a very dirty environment, the more you would feel that you need to bath. Why? Because there is an understanding deep within your thinking that you are immersed in a dirty environment. Just like before, when I was a small boy, sugarul mangyugkusaw na. 
So magkonfeso na ko ani. As young as I was maybe around 10 year old, I live in a barangay wherein it was a norm na magsugal bisag ang mga bata. And I became an usher of lustry and high ally. Those of you who were born in the 80s and 90s, you know what I'm talking about. But if you were born in the 2000 later already, and you were born in the city, maybe you only heard of Wahoy. But back then, I was an usher of that kind of gambling. And people in Sibugay area, particularly in that barangay where I live called Lai, where the rubber industry was flourishing, I had to go to places where there were a lot of people. And because that was a rubber company, I had to go to the planta sa Galingan Uguma. Those of you who came from Sibugay, you know the smell of a rubber. The rubber, yung dagta ng rubber itself, is not, does not smell so bad. But when the chemical that hardens the rubber is mixed with the rubber, that's the time that it smells so bad. But those negosante would say, it smells so bad, but for us, it smells money. So I want sa planta para magpataya ng hayalay at lastri. The problem with the rubber smell is that once it sticks with your skin, it will not go away from you easily. So I go home, after, after collecting the money from the people there, from the workers, I would go home and I would smell myself. And I will take a bath. And during that moment, a rare moment would happen in my life nga, three times, four times kang magsasabon para lang matanggal yung amoy. But the problem is that it won't go away. It's like a fat on the body. You like it away, but it stays with you for a long time if you won't work out on that matter. Now, ilang beses maliligo ka over and over. Why? Because you stink. And people, when you mingle with them, they would say, hmm, lagi ka. And you feel bad when someone tells you that. David, when he found out that somebody else knew what he did, that God confronted him with his truth, he felt so bad about his very soul. He felt so bad about his very heart. That is why his request, wash me thoroughly. Clean me, Lord God. Please blot out my sins because I feel that I stink in the presence of the Holy God. He felt so bad about what he did. It's a request for purification. If you look at the first stanza. Well, as I have said, the first stanza is bracketed by the expression, blot out my transgressions. You can find out in verse 1 and find it out in verse 10, uh, verse 9. The second stanza is bracketed with the, with the terms spirit and heart. Take note of this. So when you read verses 10 to 17, verse 10 involves this expression of the spirit and the heart. And then verse 17 also involves this expression. So it bracketed the second stanza. Let us read the second stanza of this song. It says here, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. 
Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. And the God of my salvation, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. Take note of this verse. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. The first stanza is a petition or a prayer for cleansing. The second stanza is a prayer for restoration or reinstatement. Why? Because David felt that he is derailed from what he is supposed to do because of what he committed with Bathsheba and against Uriah. That is why if you read the second stanza, these are the common expressions that you would see there. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then he said, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit. Restore the joy and sustain me, O Lord. And then he related also the effects. When God restores him, he told him the effects of the restoration. Look at verses 13, 14, and 15. He said, I will teach and sinners will be converted. Deliver me and my tongue will sing. And then open my lips and my mouth shall praise thee. So there, is, there has been an effect deep within the heart of David about the sin that he committed. It affected him so much even if he was remaining silent about the matter. And now that Nathan told him that David... You judge correctly as far as the parable is concerned. That rich man in the parable deserved to die. He deserves death. And yet, despite that right judgment that you have pronounced, God has forgiven you already. And then out of that knowledge of God's forgiveness that has been made available for him, David came to the Lord with that guilt deeper in his heart, with that mind and soul that is willing to be open before God, a heart that is crushed, a heart that is humble, a heart that is repentant before Him. That is why He said to Him, Lord, please purify me. Cleanse me, dear God. I feel so bad about this matter that I have committed. And please reinstate me that the ministry that you have placed upon my shoulder will continue to go on. Because how can I be effective in proclaiming your praise, in proclaiming your goodness, in proclaiming your righteousness if I am not experiencing all of these things? That is why, my friends, if there is still a skeleton in our closet that we have been hiding for a long time, bring it out to God. Why? Because there has been forgiveness already that has been pronounced at the cross of Jesus. You know, during the time of David, Jesus was not crucified yet. During the time of David, the babe in the manger was not born yet. During the time of David, there was no resurrection. There, was no, there were no disciples who saw Jesus yet. Why? Because Jesus didn't come yet. He was in a form of a promise back then. But David already experienced a type of forgiveness that the New Testament believers like you and me shall experience. That when he realized 
how sinful he was, how dirty he was, that he stinks in the presence of the holy God. Nathan told him, you are forgiven already. And that is why today, my friends, if there is a sin that we hide in our lives, bring it out to God. There is a reason for you to bring it out. Why? There is forgiveness that is made available for every one of us in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to hide that sin. You don't need to keep that in your closet. Bring it out to Him. Because He's only waiting and He has been waiting for you to bring it out to Him. Lord, I stink. Lord, I have been hiding this. I want to bring it out to you. Bring it out to him. Because there is forgiveness that is made available to you. It is like my son who's been hiding for many minutes. And yet when he heard that his mom is not mad at him, when he heard that his dad wants him to sit beside him, it's the only moment that he came out from the hiding. And he went to us. Jesus is telling you and me today, my son, my child, stop hiding. Come to me and I am forgiving you already. You know, we don't like Nathans to come into our lives, right? We don't like people who frankly tells us about our situation because the truth hurts. That's really a reality. The truth hurts. So when people tell us, because the truth hurts. That's a reality that you and I need to face. But despite the fact that we don't like people like this, they are blessings to us. They are Nathans sent to us by God to tell us the truth, to confront us with the truth of God. But here is something that I realize also with what is going on around us today. Oftentimes, God brings Nathan in a form of a person, a human being to us. But there are times that he brings nature as a Nathan to us. Just the other day, I was in a birthday celebration and around the table we were conversing about the calamities, the natural calamities taking place all over the world. A desert experiencing flood, that's, that's an oxymoron. A river that has no water, that's an oxymoron. Sambuanga City that never experienced much flood in the previous decades. And yet just yesterday, somebody sent to me a video wherein an SUV is carried by the waters. We never experienced that in the previous years. And where did it happen? It happened in a fancy subdivision in Zamboanga City. The water carried the SUV. It's understandable if it's a small car. It's an SUV. It's happening in our midst today. And I was reflecting about this matter. I said, Lord, maybe if not a sin that we have been hiding that you are trying to confront us today, Maybe it's a pride in the heart of many Sambuangenius and many people all over the world today that we have become, become so proud of what we have become, of what we have, of what we have achieved, 
of how far we have gone already as we look back in history. Maybe our, our hearts have been filled with pride and that you have sent nature as a Nathan to all of us to remind us that we are nothing before you. Think about these matters. Floods happening all over the world. And those places that were supposed to have a lot of water are experiencing dryness. It's very alarming. And until we come to God and tell him, Lord, like David, I'm sorry. I come to you with a heart that is humble and repentant because you have made me realize that I am nothing and that I need you. It is the healing that we need after all. Because oftentimes what we do, when there is something that happens like this, we complain about the government. We complain about the corrupt individuals who's just sucking all the money from the people. We complain a lot. And yet, we forget that there is a part in us as well that we need to make right before God. And I think this is a moment for us. If this is a nature in a... If this is a Nathan in a form of nature that God is bringing in our midst, I am praying that we, Sambongenios, will learn this at this very moment. That with all humility, we come to God, Lord, receive our contrite heart because we are nothing before you. Because in the Bible, it is very clear that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Well, to some of us, if there are skeletons in our closet, that doesn't change the very message that David experienced. God is calling us to come out to the open. Bring that stinky thing that we have been hiding to him. Because right at that, this very moment, he is making his forgiveness available to every one of us. And if this natural calamity is a form of Nathan that he's been sending to us, may we also come to the open and tell him, Lord, I need your forgiveness. Forgive me for the prideful heart that I have. Forgive me for the lack of stewardship that I have been doing in this life that I'm living in. It is only through this way that we can come before the Holy One and He can heal our lives and He can heal our land. You know what? At the last two verses of this psalm, let's read the last two verses of the psalm. You know what David said here? By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering and the whole burnt offering, then young bulls will be offered on your altar. What, what is David talking about here? Because you look at verses 1 to 17, he's discussing about his own sins, his mistakes. When he realized his iniquities before God, he discussed it in the first two stanzas, verse 1 up to verse 17. But how in the world he started talking about Zion, about Jerusalem, if you reach verse 18? Here is the, the connection. Jerusalem was the capital city of Israel. It is the place where Mount Zion is located. Mount Zion is the place where the temple of God situates. David was coming into the presence of God. And here is the thing. David as the king of Israel, his relationship with God, his sinful condition right at that moment 
has jeopardized the stability and the prosperity of the entire nation. Because the relationship of the king is very much affecting the condition of the entire Israel before the hand of the Almighty God. That is why at this moment when David realized his mistake, he was so alarmed about the matter because it was not only about him. It's also about the nation that he was leading. And he said, Lord, if my relationship is right with you, if you have forgiven me and cleansed me and purified me and reinstated me, then I can expect blessings to be experienced by the entire nation of Israel. My friends, when, we, when our condition is in the wrong situation before God, it might affect as well our entire family. You take note of that, especially the leaders of the home. If your heart is wrong with God, if there is something that we hide in our closet as the head of the family, if we are prideful before God, it might affect the family we are leading. And this is a call to every leader of the family, both the father and the mother, the husband and the wife, a call to every one of us to come to the Lord and bring to him a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Because when we come to the Lord with our brokenness, it is only him who has the capacity to pick up every pieces and make us whole again. I'll repeat. This is a call to every one of us, especially the leaders of the home, to bring our broken heart, contrite heart and broken spirit in the presence of God. Let's come to Him with all the sins that we have committed, with a heart that is filled with pride, let us come to Him and ask for His help. And bring every broken heart and broken spirit that we have in this life. Because when we come to him with our brokenness, it is only God who has the capacity to pick up every pieces out of the breaking that we have experienced and make every one of us whole again. It is a beautiful experience to serve God if, it is, if our hearts is whole, whole if our life is full of his presence and of his blessings. So this moment, I am inviting every one of you to come to the Lord in prayer. Individually say to him, Lord, if you have, if you have a skeleton in your closet, if there is something, a sin that you have been hiding for a long time, this is the moment to come to the open in the presence of God and tell him, Lord Jesus, I know you are appropriating forgiveness to me. That is why I am confident to come into your presence today. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. And if you have noticed that your heart is filled with pride because of what you have achieved, what you have become, of the possessions that you have, come to him. Bring that heart to him. And only Him can heal our spirit. Only Him can pick up the pieces and make us whole again. 
Let us all individually pray to the Lord. Yes, O oh Jesus. Lord, human as we are, living in a culture of shame, we often think that when nobody knows about our sinfulness in private, it's okay. And just like David, when we commit a sin, we cover up, we try to hide. Forgetting that we are bare in the presence and in the eyes of our God. Forgive us today. You can see our hearts. You can see the guilt deep within our souls. You can see how dirty we are in your presence and we don't deserve to come to you. But we come to you because like David, we saw forgiveness. We come to you because we look at the cross and in that cross we see love, forgiveness, cleansing, purification. When we look at the cross, we see the righteous Savior died for every one of us, exacting righteousness for us who are not righteous. That is why to you in your presence this morning, we come with a contrite heart and a broken spirit. We want to come to the open into your presence, O Lord. Forgive us, cleanse us, blot out our iniquities. If there are habitual sins that your children have been doing, break the chain of darkness that shackled their lives, O oh Lord. And this can only be done by you. This can only be done by your Spirit. We are powerless against it. But in the name of Jesus, your death on the cross has broken the chains of darkness. And we want to approach your throne over and over, bringing to you our contrite heart and a broken spirit. And if you see our hearts and is filled with pride, forgive us as well. If we have been clinging on to what we have become, what we have achieved, what we have possessed in this life, as Paul said, they are all rubbish after all.
that is why again and again we say we come to you with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. For we know that there is forgiveness in you, O Jesus. For we know that there is restoration, there is reinstatement in your presence, O Lord. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation and renew a steadfast spirit within us. We come to you with all the brokenness in life. And we are praying that you will pick up every piece and make us whole again in your presence. Thank you for this experience. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that this life we have, we would live in righteousness as well, exemplifying your goodness, declaring your praises, proclaiming your kindness upon every one of us. Thank you. Thank you. And we entrust to you all that we are. And we give you all our praises and thanksgiving. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody will say to God, Amen and Amen. God bless you all and a pleasant morning to everyone. You just heard the message from Zumbuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekayak Ministries. See you there!